The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Find out more about this amazing collectible and sign up for their mailing list for special offers at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Breaking news division of Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, one and all listeners out there in podcast land, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 255. We're excited to be here today. We've got so much to talk about, so much that we bumped our regularly scheduled topic for today. More about that in a moment. But of course, when I say we, I do mean my illustrious co-host and I. I can think of nobody I'd rather have meet a group of aliens for the first time in the middle of nowhere. Hopefully they take him away so that he is not around anymore <laughs> and um, they, they do all kinds of experiments on him, uh, which are unspeakable for podcasts that are rated clean. But uh, other than that, he's the, the largely kidnappable Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. Welcome to 255. Fire in the sky. That was a good. Fire one. in the sky. <laughs> yeah, it's great exactly to be here. Exactly what man. I was thinking. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would be there. You know, it would make sense if I was the one because then, you know, whatever alien came down would know that they landed on a planet worthy of visiting. So I appreciate that. I'm going to take it that way, regardless of the face that you're giving me right now. So it, <laughs> it's great to be here. Yes, we actually did decide to um, hold off our discussion on Captain Jonathan Archer as we celebrate Enterprise 20 throughout the year, because uh, this past uh, Monday, there was a very special uh, occasion going on, and that was First Contact Day, April 5th, 2021. Of course, only, what, 42 years until the big day. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot going on. Uh, the folks at Paramount Plus and CBS and, and all the all the cool people over there decided to make it a fun day with all kinds of panels and announcements and stuff. So we said, you know what? Captain Archer's a good man. He can wait till next week. We're going to put that aside, and we're going to talk about all the awesome things that took place on first contact day so here we are buddy 
here we are, and what a first contact day it was. Um, the harbinger of things to come, more about that later. But we also have a special guest joining us to break it all down. Yeah, we absolutely do. He is the person to go to when you have Star Trek news because, you know, he's over at treknews.net. We've had him on a couple of times before. Kyle Hadiniak is a great friend, and we're glad to bring him back on the show to actually – you know, kind of control what we talk about here on First Contact Day on the Trek Geeks podcast. And uh, it's going to be a great conversation, I'm sure. Looking forward to it. Uh, Dan, there's other conversations that may occur as a result of today's episode in people sending us messages and their thoughts on the various First Contact Day happenings. How might they do that, sir? There's a whole bunch of ways to do it. If you want to tell us how upset you are that we are not talking about Captain Archer this week, you can direct those directly to Bill. That's Uh, true. There's there's a whole bunch of ways you can get in touch with us. You can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact where you can send us an email, a voicemail. You can chat with us. You can tweet directly to us. You can also head over to Camp Kittimer, which is the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network over on the Book of Faces. It's the most positive Trek group on Facebook. We do not allow any trolling. We do not allow any gate keeping we only want people there to celebrate what they love about star trek just search for camp kittimer answer a couple of quick questions and you'll be let right in uh, and you can really have a great time we also want to thank our wonderful admins Haley, jackie and fark for the amazing job they do running the camp because i gotta tell you it is no easy task uh, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode bill wow if i didn't know any better i'd say that um you speak fast. I was practicing. Yeah. It's too bad you can't practice speaking at normal speed for all those I, other times. I know. Dan, spring is in the air. Warm weather and better times are finally in sight. Some might even say they're here. And when you add that to the fact that Fansets has amazing new pins on the way, that also makes life pretty good right now. Yeah, indeed it does, my friend. New pins every single month, and April is no exception. Just last week, they welcomed a bunch of new stuff, like releases of the Riker pose pin. I mean, no one is cooler than Will Riker in that pose, am I right? Uh, also, the first two releases of the new pin Moji line were made available, Mr. Spock and Jory LaForge. And if you couldn't wait for the set to be released one or two pins at a time, you can now buy the entire Pinmoji set at a reduced price of $55.95. Yep, all nine Pinmojis all at once for an incredible price. And coming up in just a few days will be the releases for April 15th, and they include Esri Dax, who was originally scheduled to be available on April 1st, but she had to take a quick trip back to the Churl homeworld. So she'll be around on the 15th. And also you can look forward to the next three Yes, three Pinmojis, Ben Sisko, Catherine Janeway, and Jonathan Archer. Star Trek captains rock, dude. Gotta say. Oh, they, they really do. It's like Christmas twice a month all year long. And the best part is, is that now I don't have to get you anything. And you know why you don't have to get me anything? Because I got an order today from Fansets, and I think I got like 15 or 16 pins sitting on my bed right behind me that I have to catalog and put in my pin folio and all that. I love it. Oh, I, uh, believe me, I can see them. Uh, I'm aware. Um, so everyone, be like Dan. Head on over to fansets.com. Put a whole bunch of pins and accessories and other stuff in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special Trek Geeks discount code word, HOLOGRAM. That's H-O-L-O-G-R-A-M in all capital letters for an amazing 10% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until April 14th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't forget, too, that when you spend more than 30 bucks at fansets.com, you are automatically going to get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins 
have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Hey, friends, if you haven't checked out the Galaxy's first interactive triple from Science Division, I got to say you're really missing out. This officially licensed triple is an amazing high-quality Star Trek collectible, which we know you'll be proud to add to your collection. We both have one, and we truly love them. So much work and creativity went into creating this triple too, right down to the softest fur you can possibly imagine. Plus, the sounds the triple makes are straight out of the original series. You'll swear that this triple was delivered straight from Space Station K7 right to your door. Plus, the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. It's not necessary, but man, is it a lot of fun to make it scream at people like annoying podcast co-hosts. Fret not, however. Everyone except Bill knows that, you know it, you guessed it, Tribbles are not dangerous. I hate you so much right now. (laughs) I really do. But as far as everyone listening, we want you to head on over to Science DIV right now to pick up one of the Galaxy's first interactive Tribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessories section where you can get all kinds of Science Division swag like t-shirts, mugs, or even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Well, Dan, we may not have a converted missile that we're going to take off into space to break the warp barrier, but we do have a lot to talk about as far as first contact day. And uh, joining us in this effort is going to be a great friend of the show. How many times is it going to be that he's been on? This is like his third time, isn't it? It's. Uh, I, I look forward to a day when it's more than you. Well, that could happen very quickly because <laughs> I could just leave. Oh, <laughs> No, you know, when you have something like first contact day and so many great things dropping and and news being made in the Star Trek universe, it only makes sense to have someone from treknews.net come on board and help us as he has done in the past. Kyle Hadiniak is here again, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to take us all through the big news that happened on this first contact day 2021. And believe me, there was a lot of it. And Kyle, it's great to uh, to have you back on the show again, buddy. How you doing? Hey, Dan, Bill, how's it going? Glad to be here. And it was quite the exciting first contact day, wasn't it? It really was. I I was I'm on vacation all week, so I mean, really, all I did was watch Star Trek panels that afternoon, and uh, it was the best way to spend a vacation day. I'm not going to lie. I mean, even and if you were working, you would have watched those anyway, right? <laughs> I wish no, I could say that. No, I was not at all. Rushed at work uh, that day, so I didn't get to watch anything live. Um, but you know, it's big when when you kick Captain Archer to the curb for a week, as we've done for this week's episode, so that we can talk about First Contact Day. It's got to be big news, buddy. There's a lot of big news, a lot of big news and, and a lot to cover. And Kyle is the guy to do it for us. So Kyle, we're going to put you in charge of this mess. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's Um, a, that's a bad idea, but okay, let's do it. From, from here on in the reins of the Trek Geeks podcast are in your cape, reasonably capable hands. God, my heart's pounding. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So a a few things happened uh, on first contact day and, you know, in the middle of all the, all the festivities, I was thinking, oh my God, they're going to show something for every Star Trek series in production or, you know, coming out or whatever. And ultimately that wasn't exactly the case, but you know, it felt like it because I was totally taken aback. I didn't expect too much for first contact day because in the past you 
didn't really expect much, right? right. But but they yeah. really they really delivered for this one. So I'm just gonna hop into some of the major major things that we saw. Uh, Picard season two. Holy, was this exciting! So <laughs> there was a a brief kind of tone setting uh, teaser of what looked like Picard's study, and it had so many. Uh, references that diehard fans will notice about Picard's life. You saw the Stargazer there. You saw a painting of the Enterprise D that was in his ready room. And then, uh, so exciting, on the table you see a queen, like the card queen. And then uh, that dissolves until you finally see just the Q. And of course, you know, (laughs) not not too many things uh, can that mean besides the thing we're all excited about is that John Delancey's coming back as Q in Picard season two, that was the big news uh, for that show. And, and boy, was that exciting, right? It was, it was, I was not expecting it. Um, I, I really thought that teaser, just watching the teaser at the beginning was fantastic to see all those amazing Easter eggs. And even one that somebody pointed out on Twitter, I, I want to say it was Alex Perry, but I could be wrong that in the episode family, when Picard is having dinner with the, with his brother <laughs> and, and, um, wife and, and son, there's a, there's a model or a, or a sculpture of a horse with a plow on it, uh, on the mantle, that same um, sculpture is in Picard's study in this teaser. And I think that attention to detail is something I love so much, but I thought it was really cool how the hourglass was going backwards before that card disintegrated to just the queue. And then of course you hear John Delancey with the trial never ends. That was a hell of a moment for me. Um, I said uh, recently that I've become a, uh, you know, the story of Q was pretty much wrapped up in, in TNG and we did see him in Voyager, of course, but I've become a huge, huge fan and even bigger fan of John Delancey because I'm on my fourth rewatch of Breaking Bad right now. And even though oh, he yeah. has only a small role in that series, he does such a great job. So I'm, I'm very excited, to be honest, to have uh, to have John come back as Q, Bill. I love to see all the Easter eggs like you talked about, Dan. The one thing that I was like, ah, about was that the Curlin Nascos from, I think it's the TNG episode, The Chase, um, which was destroyed at the end of Star Trek Generations, is sitting in Picard's study in Labar, France. Or at least a holographic recreation aboard the La Serena. We're not sure which yet. Oh, true. Um, we also saw a copy of Paradise Lost, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting. Yep. Um, we haven't had a reference to that, I think, since Khan. Um, and the time running backwards through the hourglass leads me to believe there could be some sort of time travel involved in season two of Picard. Um, unlike a lot of people, I am not exactly excited for Q. I'm going to be <sighs> honest about it. I, I've never been a Q fan, though. I mean, this goes back to, to next gen in the 80s and 90s. Um, it's just not a character I enjoy. I love John Delancey. I think he's an amazing actor. Dan, you brought up Breaking Bad, which I think some of his best work ever. Right. Torch, Torchwood Miracle Day is another great uh, series that that John was in. But I, I really feel like Q's been done. I feel like the story's been told. I don't know what is left. So I'm interested to see how they work this in, potentially knowing that Whoopi Goldberg is going to play a part somehow, Kyle. Yeah, you know, you know, you may think that Hugh's story may be over, but we thought the same thing about Data after Nemesis, didn't we? That's and true. Let's That's see true. what happened uh, with that character. Yeah. So I'm sure you know the guys, the the folks behind Star Trek Picard are so creative and they're so intelligent that I have full faith that they're going to bring back the character in a way that's not, you know, undeserving of of what a classic character Q is. So I am I am pretty excited, especially since 
clearly from the the teaser imagery and from the dialogue that we got in the teaser and then some of what Patrick Stewart said during the panel, uh, time is going to play a huge role And who knows what that means going back in time, going forward in time, laterally across time, who knows? But, uh, and I'm sure he's going to have something to do with that. So I'm, I'm super excited. One of the things that I found interesting, and I do have to say, I agree with Bill, the character of Q I think was problematic back in the TNG day, they, they kind of box themselves into a corner about having this omnipotent being that could do anything, could manipulate time, could anything he wanted, he could do. And I think it's a little dangerous to have a character like that written into a series, because in my opinion, if he's this powerful, why doesn't he just snap his fingers and Picard is back in a regular body and doesn't have any sickness and doesn't have any problems with now being in the golem and this, that, and the other thing. It'll be interesting to see what the writers do, and, and I trust the writers with Picard. I really like season one. Um, they've already talked about how Q is going to um, age himself so that he looks older because now Picard's older. I'm sure he's going to jab at Picard on how old he looks. Um, I thought it was incredibly awesome, Bill, that John DeLancey was um, uh, doing the interview from his yacht <laughs> or his <laughs> whatever. I'm not sure what kind of um, water vehicle he has, but I thought that was pretty cool in itself. And and. I agree with you, Bill. The character of Q is not the best character in TNG, but the performance that Delancey does is always top notch. Uh, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I believe Delancey has a sailboat and he has actually sailed the world or worked on it at wow. various points. Um, you brought up a great point, Dan. I think this is probably one of my predictions for season two. I think that at some point during the season, Picard's not going to be in the Gollum body anymore. He's going to be a flesh and blood human. And I think Q's going to do it um, as maybe um out of friendship i say with loose air quotes mm -hmm. um and really kind of tentatively i but i mean how many times have i been wrong about star trek discovery so <laughs> we'll see well one of the things kyle also to, to play on that for a second bill is is sir patrick made it very clear that q shows up at a time where something really really bad has happened Something traumatic and really has a, a dark is a dark moment in Picard's life as if he hasn't had enough. So it will mm. be very interesting to see if that air quote friendship that Bill mentioned is something that will come into play. And let's not forget about the reason why we saw Q in the first place. He wanted to put humanity on trial and right. and through humanity, just uh, Picard and his crew. And that was one of the pieces of voiceover in the teaser was that uh, Q saying the trial never ends. So how will Picard still be on trial later in his life after he's now in this Gollum form, after he's had the experiences he's had in season one? Let's see what Q's motivations are to come back and keep humanity and keep Picard on trial. If there's one thing I've learned from these writers, it's to trust that something they give us in the teaser or in, you know, the, the buildup to the season is going to matter. If we hear the, you know, the, the voiceover of the trial never ends, that's going to matter in Q's appearance sure, in Star yeah. Trek Picard. So I did an informal poll on Twitter during first contact day because I was live tweeting for Trek geeks. And the question I asked was, are you excited for the return of John Delancey as Q in Star Trek Picard? Simple question. Yes, no answer. 88.4% of those voting said yes, they were excited. I'm amazed that it's as high as 11.6% were not excited. I didn't think it would be that high. I thought it would be more like maybe 3 4%. So I think it's really interesting that uh, that over 10% of respondents, Dan, aren't really that, aren't digging it. 
Yeah, it would have been lower because I didn't get a chance to vote on the poll because I was so busy at work that day, but I would have clicked yes just because of Delancey. Um, so, yeah, it, that is surprising. And I know that perhaps one of the three people talking right now on this here very podcast on the TGPN might have been one of those people who voted no. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it's a possibility. Allegedly. <laughs> you can't prove that. You can never prove it. Prove yeah. It. <laughs> So, I, you know, Picard, I, they, they said it's going to happen in 2022, which I think is about yeah. what we all expected. No I didn't ex- there. Yeah, I didn't expect to see anything this year. Uh, there are rumors that they're going to shoot seasons two and three back to back, but I think that's just fan wank at this point. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to that. You know, they, they said that the COVID protocols, or at least Frake said this in one of the panels, are just, you know, they're they're nightmare. horrific. Yeah. They're a nightmare. Um, and I can imagine it takes a lot longer to shoot the kind of scenes they want to shoot. Um, Picard seems to have a lot more intimate shots, you know, more two shots, more three shots than, than some of the other shows. So I, I can believe it's going to take a while, Kyle. Yeah. And I'm sure that's the case for all the other shows too. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. And, and plus it may be beneficial to film Picard faster than the other shows. Cause, uh, Patrick Stewart, he's not, yeah. you know, a spring chicken anymore. Uh, he's still perfectly capable for what he's doing. He's 80 years old, but I would mm-hmm. imagine uh, some discussions might've been had that because of COVID, because of the amount of, you know, extensive involvement, a lead actor would need in a show like this, maybe doing back to back. I mean, it, there's certainly some logic there. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, if they do it great for fandom, I mean, it means we'll get a, a quicker turnaround on season three yep. and be able to watch it on Paramount plus. So um, I'm just, I'm just going to be happy to have Star Trek. One of the things I found interesting, Bill, you and I talked about it briefly before First Contact Day, and nothing came of this yet that we know of. And that's Leah Thompson, of course, from Back to the Future and and stuff like that, actually replied to a tweet about big news with Picard Season 2 coming on First Contact Day. So you and I were speculating about what that might mean, and nothing really came of it that I'm aware of. So she retweeted showrunner Terry Madelis, and I'm not quite sure that's how you say Terry's last name, so I apologize if I'm butchering it. And then he, in turn, retweeted her excitement about it. Mm. So it led one to believe that perhaps she has some involvement. She's done some directing recently. Um, maybe she could be in season two. Maybe she's just a huge Star Trek nerd. I know what it is. What is it? They showed time travel in the teaser. Oh, shut <laughs> up. The DeLorean. It's... <laughs> Shut up. The crossover everybody's hoping for. Oh, my God. The crossover nobody is hoping for. (laughs) Take a Twitter poll. Let's see. (laughs) Shut up, Kyle. (laughs) I'll vote on that. Yeah, why don't you move us along to the next story? (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Um, So the next one that I I still kind of surprised that we're getting this as, as soon as we are, but Discovery Season 4, we got a you know, a full blown trailer for that instead of just the, the quick kind of teaser that we got for Picard. Uh, so we get to see uh, Burnham and crew in action. Captain Burnham now, of course, of the Discovery. And apparently uh, the Federation of the future is facing another dire threat. And that happens to be some sort of gravitational anomaly that's that's pretty big, about five light years or so. And uh, so so the Discovery crew has to kind of deal with that. And some notable um, things we saw in the trailer, new uniforms. Uh, we saw all the crew back in action. And, uh, of course, we get to see Burnham in her new role as captain of the, of the Discovery. So that was pretty exciting. I didn't, I didn't expect a full, 
full trailer for Discovery, and it still seems so recently that we ended season three, but of course mm-hmm. it was delayed because of COVID. So we are getting season four uh, this year. So that was that was pretty exciting. It's always nice to see Sneaker Martin Green in action along with the rest of that cast. Fantastic cast, fantastic show. Looking forward to season four. I thought it was a great trailer. I will be very honest. I was not expecting the change in uniforms. Neither was I. The uniform change at the end of season three. Yeah. And I'll also be honest. When I first saw it, it kind of like exploded in my eyes. And I was like, oh, I was kind of like bummed out for a second. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm used to these big primary colors in TOS. So I should not be disappointed. I think it was just more of a surprise that I had that reaction. Um, But I also thought it was interesting that she's captain and she's wearing red at a time that was before TOS when the captain wears gold. So it'll be interesting how they all wrap that up. Not anymore, though, because they're in the 31st century. Well, oh, yeah, well, that's true. They could. Yeah, that's true. Very so, good point. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I've seen the I feedback. think Dan forgot that. I forgot that. I did. <laughs> As the host of Discovering Trek, that's not good. Um, I, I've seen the critique leveled at those uniforms that they're too formal. And I'm like, excuse me, has anyone seen the uniforms from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, through Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country? Those are wonderful uniforms. Wonderful. They're wonderful, but they're incredibly formal. Yeah. Um, yeah. These new Discovery uniforms look like a great you know, springboard from the end of season three, but they look like the perfect marriage between the wrath of Khan monster maroon and the TNG uniforms of season three through seven. Um, you can see the sort of the, the footprint of both of those in that design from Gersha Phillips. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think it looks better on screen than the gray. And I think she said as much herself in the panel. So I tweeted about that today. And I, I used, you know, fake outrage to say, oh, my God, those new Discovery uniforms are just too formal. That's not Star Trek. <laughs> and I, so far, it's been liked over uh, 1,500 times, 114 retweets. Um, and the gatekeepers have come out to, oh, yeah. to just have. sort of shout me down, yeah. which tells me that these uniforms are perfect. Absolutely. Now, don't get me wrong. I love them. It, that initial reaction, it caught me off guard because it, it literally, like Q, was not something I expected, especially since we got brand new ones just a few weeks ago at the end of season three of, of Discovery. But uh, I think it looks great. I think one of the things that I'm a little concerned about, and Kyle, you mentioned it a little bit when you were giving your rundown of the trailer. Um, this is now going to be the fourth season that they're um, experiencing a, a huge calamitous type problem. Um and is are they going to be able to stretch that out over another season again? And is that going to start getting old as we're now seeing it for the fourth time in a row? Well, one of Discovery's biggest strengths it's, it, is the relationship between all of its characters and how those right. actors play off against each other. And mm-hmm. so we have some interesting things to look forward to in terms of these characters. So we have Stamets, who is not at all happy with Burnham after what right. happened in the finale for season three. Yep. You have Saru, who's playing kind of a mentor. Um, on the Kelpian homeworld last time you saw. And, you know, who else, who knows what else we're going to see in terms of these dynamics between these characters. So I think as perhaps boring or predictable that some may think of a, a new anomaly popping up, I think we could still look forward to having quite the diversity and quite the, you know, complex narrative storytelling just from these characters that mm-hmm. we come to expect from this show. So I'm not terribly worried that, you know, oh, another gravitational anomaly is going to kind of make the show stale for me because uh, the characters are so well written that, you know, you could throw them against anything and it would still be entertaining to watch. 
I think that's true, but and we also don't know if there's a time jump between season three and season four. That's true. For yeah. for all we know, it, it doesn't pick up like right after the events of season three. There right. could be a, a year and a half, two years or mm-hmm. more in between these two seasons as far as the timeline in Star Trek. I mean, obviously enough for Saru to have been away for a while. It looks like he's wearing some really cool uh, yeah. insignias or jewelry, which may become a part of his Starfleet uniform. Um, you know, uh, Adira is, is in full uniform. Uh, it looks like the crew has been through some stuff. Detmer has upgraded implants, which is really kind of awesome. So I I think they've been through some stuff and maybe they've had a bit of a lull. Maybe this is the first huge thing in a couple of years for them. But for us, of course, it's just going to be the next season. One of the things that I like is we're seeing some return of people that we were familiar with in last season. Of course, Borky's going to be there. I was very excited to see the Vulcan, pre- I'm sorry, the Navarre president uh, <laughs> show up. And as I said, I hope that they go back to calling it Vulcan. I really do. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things that I think would stick, uh, especially if they come back into the Federation. But I like to see that they're going to continue things that they started with last season with the burn and how the, everybody's uh, getting over that and moving on and and um, starting to uh, be a Federation again. Did we Will see Earth- Admiral Vance in the trailer? No, no, I don't believe we did. Mm, so that's, mm, he better bad. be there. Yeah. So here's a here's a question for you, uh, and I'll put this out to both of you. Do you guys think that Earth will be a member of the Federation again by the time season four opens? Kyle, what do you think? No, I hope not, because okay. that would mark such a that that was a great thing we didn't expect in season three. Earth's mm-hmm. not a part of the Federation. Oh my god. Uh, and to return to that kind of normalcy, I think is not in the best interest of season four because they're still in the future. It's still, um, assumably new to them and it's new to us. So I think keep the differences that made season three, you know, so starkly different from the rest of the show and call it good. Dan, what do you think? I'm going to agree with Kyle. I hope they don't. Um, it was, it was a shock and it was something I wasn't thrilled with to see earth become a bunch of xenophobes in season three and kind of cast, you know, not allow anybody on the planet surface and this, that, and the other thing. And even though it was a shock and something I was quite surprised with, with what we're used to in the quote air quote Roddenberry future of unicorns and rainbows. Um, I think for them to go back to being part of the Federation and being welcoming again would be way too fast. Like Kyle said, after, after what we just saw last season, it needs to, it needs to work its way back to what we expect. So I hope it doesn't become uh, a member again right away. That's fair. I think if there's a time jump, we may find out that they're on the cusp of of mm-hmm. returning to the Federation. I think there's going to be a time jump. Um, I think it's going to be at least a year, maybe more. Um, you know, we'll get some of that, you know, in voiceover uh, to sort of tie the seasons together. Um, and that's just like the rest of my discovering Trek guesses. It will most likely be uh, <laughs> horrifically wrong, Kyle. Well, the fact that we don't see Vance kind of lends credence to maybe he's not around anymore. And, and that may be a time jump, which would be too bad. But that's bad. Yeah. But can we can we just can we all agree real fast that People of Earth was one of the best episodes of the last season? Oh yes. yeah, absolutely Hands down. It was. Yep. Yep. All right, good. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bill and I don't agree on much, but uh, I will agree with him on that one. And you too, Kyle, because you're awesome and he isn't. Thank you. And it was wow. my suggestion, so thank you. <laughs> this became so personal. I'm I'm out of here as a jerk. Yes. Poopy heads. 
And we'd like to welcome the new host of Trek Geeks, Kyle Miniak. <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going? Okay. How about, no, how about sure. I try to keep this podcast on track? And there I you go. To the next Sorry. Story. Someone should. What do you think? Uh, okay. True. Um, and, th- and this is actually my favorite thing from out of First Contact Day because I just love the show. Uh, Lower Decks, we got a teaser. We got a, um, a trailer for Lower Decks. And... Uh, we know it's going to premiere in August, so that's not too far away, and so that's fantastic. And uh, if if you were to go read all my reviews for Trek News for Lower Decks, you'll just you'll be able to tell that I just love the show. And for all uh, you know, for what the trailer was able to show us, it seems like we're just going back to the same you know hilarious uh, Star Trek humor, making fun of it, respecting it, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I am I am all aboard for Lower Decks, and we know now that it's also being picked up for season three. Yes, also fantastic. And uh, in the trailer, uh, real fast, we were able to see more of Jonathan Frakes as Will Riker doing some pretty hilarious references to jazz that uh, no one else might get. But uh, he certainly has uh, a love for jazz that we just keep chugging on in season two. I'm very excited for Lower Decks. I'm glad that we're going to see it in August. It'll be right, uh, I believe, right after yeah. the the Creation Entertainment 55-year mission, right during. I, I forget the date, so I think it, it might be during. Um, but I think it's it's going to be what we need. We had 23 straight weeks of Star Trek, and it was great. It was exhausting. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but it's going to be nice to get, uh, to get back into it with a nice, light look at Star Trek. Um, they say that Discovery is going to premiere in 2021. I'm hoping it's after the 10 or however many episodes of Lower Decks. Um, maybe we'll see that by late October, I hope. But I, I could see them uh, doing so, another marathon, you know, kind of every week. We had 20 so. weeks or so. Yeah, I could see them doing that again. And maybe we'll get Picard right after that, the beginning wow. of 2022. But as far as Lower Decks, I mean, so many great visuals in that teaser. Miranda um, class. Miranda class. We got Ambo Jitsu. Mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. the Icarus Factor and TNG, <laughs> which ah, uh, the Magatu. No, um, it just uh, I love seeing uh, Mariner in the brig because it tells me there's some consequences for her actions. Yeah. Um, just so much going on, Dan. That I just I I I got to see this now. Ransom shooting rainbows out of his hands. <laughs> you do that every day. I, I know. It's awesome. Yeah, there was some great stuff. Uh, the humor is going to be there, of course. We're going to be able to get some answers from what happened at the end of, of season one, which, which Kyle, I have said many times. I don't know if I said it with you on as a guest. I think Lower Decks was possibly the best season one of any yep. Star Trek season, season, series we have ever seen. And I agreed with um, you. Yep. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, surprises at the end of season one. It'll be interesting to see what happens with um rutherford because his cybernetics were ripped out by shacks at the end of mm-hmm. season one Rip. uh may the prophets uh take him <laughs> to the celestial temple um and he has them back again in the season two trailer that we saw so it'll be interesting to see if his memory is back and how things are going with that uh boimler of course looks like boimler uh <laughs> and helm He's on the titan yeah. lower decks to s- steering the starship and titan with captain Riker. so that's going to be pretty awesome I've also said it yesterday, I think. Jonathan Frakes is one of the busiest people in Star Trek these days. He's he's directing probably uh, Discovery, Strange New Worlds, Picard. He's guest starring on Picard. He's voiceovering on Lower Decks. I love that man. Yep. <laughs> I, I adore Frakes. He, he can do anything he wants to, and I, I'm here for it. Um, he, it's interesting. You know, you know, Frakes lives in Maine. 
Uh, oh, we know. And, oh, we and, know. And I, I saw him once at a Hanford in Belfast. <laughs> Get out of here, really? <laughs> yeah. I heard his voice, and then I whipped my head around, and I and I couldn't do anything else because I was sitting there with my grandmother who was in a wheelchair. I was pushing her around, and she <laughs> I was kind of tethered to her, and I couldn't go like say hi or anything. So I was. Was he chewing gum? I I wasn't <laughs> <Probably>. that close. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Probably. That's awesome. I, um, I, I I look forward to seeing how Boimler gets back together with the band because he yeah. has to. He they do have to get together. He has yeah. to. Yeah. Um. One of the great things I saw on Twitter today was um Jack Quaid. Somebody suggested to him that when <laughs> in person conventions start again, he needs to go as Boimler with purple hair and everything, and he's committed to doing it. I could see a thousand doing percent. That. He yeah. said, "Yeah, yeah, a thousand yeah. percent." And and Tony Newsom said that she's committed to to going in costume too. So I think that would be amazing. Can you imagine a photo op with the two of them in real yeah. life with those uniforms? I think that'd yeah. be just the, the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, is do you think that we're only going to get Riker for an episode? Yeah, that's, that's my question. I think I think Bormlin will be back on um, his Pretty own quick. ship. Yeah, by maybe yeah. the end of the first episode. I'm hoping it's a couple. Um, I don't think it's going to be the whole season. I'm hoping it's at least a couple. Um, but uh, you said something, Kyle, that really is important. This show is so great, not only for all the references and the history and the love of Star Trek that that the showrunners have, but they make fun of it. They make fun of themselves. Yeah. Star Trek, they make fun of Star Trek in this in a way that is respectful and fun. And, hilarious. and that's one of the things that I love so much about it. I just oh, think it's I just think it's fantastic. I love the episode where they made fun of the movies. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Crisis Point. Yeah. Memory serves. Yeah. 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 I um I think that you know in the finale for season one we saw the Titan coming in to rescue the Cerritos. I think in the beginning of season two we're going to see the opposite happen. I think the Cerritos is going to come in and rescue the Titan, and that's how Boimler is going to wind up back on the ship again. Mm, nice. I'm usually wrong. No, that's true. But based on the trailer, it seems like it could make sense. That would go with the show's kind of theme of subverting expectations, and I yes, can totally see true. that happening where where Riker has to be saved and Boimler goes back. Yeah. Riker is usually the guy doing the saving in pretty much every series. Yeah, pretty, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things I think is great is 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 Mike McMahon is is just I've never heard someone as passionate about the work he does for Star Trek and his love of Star Trek as he does. Yeah. When we had him on Discovering Trek, it was amazing, and listening to him in these panels is just. I, I, I just, I love the guy because you know that he's pouring every ounce of blood, sweat, tears, love into this, um, amazing show and it shows, it really shows the quality and, and I can't wait, I can't wait for August. And, and I'll tell you what, if it does happen when we're out in Vegas, man, I think we're going to have a huge watch party up at the top of the, uh, uh, Rio in that big bar. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have it in our room. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you guys have any special like, uh, guest cameos you'd love to see that haven't been announced? Who's on your dream wish list for, for lower decks? Go ahead, Kyle, you go first, buddy. It would make sense in terms of a synergy type thing to have Kate Mulgrew show up, uh, in Mm. lower decks animated form. And then we know that we'll get her in prodigy. So um, I, I could see them doing that and that'd be a neat way to kind of, tie those shows together in the in the style of you know the, the classic shows um dan you got anybody yeah i would love to have a flashback to deep space nine and we have guldicott show up and mark alimo reprise his role as voicing him and also in the background subtly 
Odo. No voicing, just a respect, just a respectful callback to the great Renee and the character that he did on Deep Space Nine. Mm. I would, I would be bawling if that mm-hmm. happened. I will tell you that right now. After seeing the panel this past Monday, I would love to see a, a flashback to one of the the lower deckers, probably Mariner, interacting with Data. Um, you know, in a previous life in, in Starfleet. Yep. I think that would be really great because, I mean, Brent Spiner's really good at comedy. He yep. had some of the more comedic moments that worked in Next Gen. And, uh, I mean, it's easy for Brent Spiner to get behind a microphone and voice data. Um, I think that would be pretty amazing. That's what I would love to see personally. Oh, the possibilities with animation, right? Yeah, Endless. exactly. Unbelievable. Exactly. I can't wait. Speaking of animation, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was that's, that was clever. That's what Thank we call you. Thank you. In the, in the biz, Kyle. That's what we call a major market tease. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah. So Star Trek Prodigy, we know it's a show, an animated kids show about a group of kind of rebellious aliens who kind of go out on their own in their own ship. And they are kind of exploring the galaxy. And we knew that Kate Mulgrew was coming back to voice her classic character, Captain Janeway. And now we actually know what Janeway looks like in Lower Decks. Head over to uh, treknews.net to see a, a picture of the animated Janeway. But I'm looking at it right now. And, and they get the likeness pretty good. Certainly a lot of love uh, went into sculpting uh, Janeway's animated form here. And we know that she's going to be the... I forget exactly what they called it, but she was going to be like kind of like the advisor hologram for this group of rebellious kids. So that's pretty cool. She's going to be helping them explore the Delta Quadrant as she once did herself. The emergency training hologram. There we go. Thank you. The ETH. Um, the ETH. It's going to be in the Delta Quadrant. It's going to be in the year 2383, five years after the events of Endgame. So we know that the Voyager is in the Alpha Quadrant at this point. Right. So it's not the Voyager. I've seen some people theorize that it could be the Voyager Aero Shuttle, um, <laughs> right. which I think would be interesting. That certainly would fit. It's warp capable. It would have a computer on board, probably some hollow emitters. Um, that would be such a deep cut. It, yeah, it would be, but I don't put it. Yeah, I don't put it past them at this point. No, not, not knowing, at all. knowing yeah. what happened with lower decks. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of virtual Janeway. And I, I don't want to toot my own horn, Dan. It's rare that I get one right. I True. called this the, the day. day they announced it last year. Yep. Pat yourself on the back, man, because that was pretty good. That was that was an excellent call. You were absolutely right. I really kind of hope your other idea of it being the shuttle work is, is what it is, because if it isn't, I'm gonna be like, okay, um, they were 75,000 light years from Earth. How many other freaking Federation starships are in the Delta Quadrant? Because we had the Equinox, and now we got this possible other one. Uh, so I hope it is, because well, it's, it's just another derelict starship out there. It's only five characters. So they can't run a ship you know, yeah. designed for That's 130 people. True. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense for it to be something like you know, uh, the Aero Shuttle or some other you know, abandoned Starfleet tech. Mm-hmm. Yep. That makes perfect sense to me. One of the things that you pointed out, Bill, uh, the other day when we were talking, which I find very interesting, is that in this wonderful rendition of Catherine Janeway in animated form, holding her famous coffee cup, yep. she has no pips on her collar. Right. right. That could be interesting to see why, if it was left out intentionally, or if it was just a a, a rendering that they hadn't completely spruced up yet when they when they released it. I think it's because she's a hologram. I think it's because she's not Captain Janeway. She's a representation. 
Like I've already seen criticisms on that aspect of Janeway. The fact that she doesn't have pips on her collar and I've seen criticisms about the rendering. I've seen criticisms about uh, how tall she is, how long her legs are. I've seen, I've seen it all, but Kate Mulgrew signed off on this. Kate yeah. Mulgrew yeah. thinks it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I think it looks fantastic if she's happy. Cause this is a representation representation of her as that character then I'm on board. But Bill, you know it wouldn't be true Star Trek if somebody wasn't bitching about it before it actually even uh, aired, don't you? I think you literally <laughs> said the same thing last time I was here. <laughs> it's it's probably really? true, yeah. <laughs> because uh, it's, isn't it unfortunate though? Really? So about the pips, if they showed the number of pips, that would indicate if it was Admiral Janeway or Captain, wouldn't it? Because in Nemesis, she's an Admiral. Well, but she's got a different uniform as Admiral Janeway. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so they're probably trying to throw off the fans from being able to guess what incarnation of Janeway this is. And they just don't want to give away too many hints. And I'm cool with that too. You know, yeah. I ultimately, I I think it's going to add an element to this show. That's great for me. This is really shaping up to be a little bit like star Wars rebels and I'm on board for it. Absolutely. Um, I think that each of these characters is going to be able to have some kind of moment where they contribute and make a substantive contribution to, to what they're doing as they learn the ideals of Starfleet through the Janeway hologram. And ultimately, this is what I'm here for. Um, I think it's going to be an incredible addition to the Star Trek universe, Dan. And I look forward to seeing uh, action figures. Yeah. I look forward to seeing how many people this brings into the tent. I hope this spawns a Lego contract. Oh, um, you, just, because you just nailed it. This would be amazing for this particular series. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you, that is my biggest wish on my Star Trek merchandise wish list. Maybe forever is a Lego contract. And no disrespect to what Mega did with the Enterprise, which is sitting right here <laughs> next to my desk. I love it. But, I mean, we look at the, at the Star Wars Lego sets, and they're absolutely awesome. Speaking of Star Wars, I got to start watching this Rebels thing you guys keep talking about. Because I it's haven't amazing. watched it yet. But everybody says it's awesome. But I totally agree. I think this has the potential to bring in such a huge amount of new young fans that will continue to push this franchise for another 50 years. I really honestly think it has that potential. They're starting them young. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to put that fish hook in the water and they're going to reel them in. And then they're going to go to all the other series and it's just going to continue on. And it's, it's brilliant marketing and it's brilliant planning. I think from the people over at uh, Paramount slash CBS, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. And and first of all, Dan, yes, watch Rebels and then (laughs) watch Clone Wars Mm -hmm. and then come back and we'll talk about it. Okay. uh, For, yeah, I'm so excited that that this will be the show that my daughter grows up watching and learns to love Star Trek from watching Prodigy and watching Janeway, who is just like the best female role model I could possibly ask for Mm -hmm. for for my daughter. And yeah, so uh, her and millions of other kids are going to grow up watching this and. In 50 years, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember Prodigy. That was such a great show. And, yeah, it'll just spawn a whole new next generation of fans. And that's really exciting. Now, because this is animation and they literally have no boundaries and they literally can do anything, do you think that we'll see a, a reuniting of portions or the entire Voyager cast in Star Trek Prodigy as a holodeck simulation? That could be uh, really cool. It could be. I could see some doing it, like Jerry Ryan, because she's. Uh, it would be good kind of synergy again with Picard. Yep. Um, I don't see Robert Beltran doing that. Um, I could see Robert Picardo doing that because he's, um, you know, pretty 
he's pretty mm-hmm. on board with anything yep. related to his character yep. and from that show. Um, yeah, I, I hope so. I hope they have some spot appearances, but not just to do it, just to do it. Of course. No, I agree with that. Right, and that's something that I've always I've always said uh, on the show is I hope they don't do it just for fan service, and it's never happened yet. They have not brought any people into any of these shows just for fan service. It's been for a legitimate reason that has worked, especially on Picard. So it would be cool to see. I like the idea of a training scenario um, that they go into a holodeck and they have members of the crew, like maybe Paris will be at the helm, and 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 Garrett mm-hmm. will still be an ensign uh, back at the back of the uh, back of the bridge, but. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool, Bill. Animated Tuvok. <laughs> That's kind of funny because he really never was very animated, was he? But oh, boom. But boom. <laughs> I hate you so much. All right, bye guys. <laughs> <laughs> there goes former Trek Geeks host Kyle Lidiniak. <laughs> Good yeah. idea. And so Good it's idea. it's worth noting that we only got a picture of what Janeway looks like. We didn't see any any kind of trailer or teaser or anything, which is was surprising because the show is coming out this year and theoretically yeah right yeah, exactly it, it was su- kyle to me it was surprising and to be honest it was disappointing i like the tease of the picture of animated janeway we've been waiting for a long time i wanted more and we didn't get it i'm yeah. almost wondering if we're not going to see this show until at least mid 2022 now mm. because they had a they had a, a teaser for picard yeah. which doesn't drop till next year they had a teaser for discovery which is going to drop theoretically toward the end of this year um if if prodigy was really going to go in 2021 i think they were going to bring a teaser so i i I, there's nothing to confirm this this is just my gut feeling i think there's going to be a delay that would be really surprising because kate mulgrew when she announced when it was announced that she was coming back that, that happened earlier this year i think time has just like lost all meaning um yeah she said that they had been working on the show for like a year or that she had even known that she was coming back for like a year. So this show's been in production for a while. Yeah. And if it were to, to be delayed to next year, that'd be pretty concerning. Well, depending on where, where they were having the animation done and what the impact of COVID was on, on that team and, and that, yeah. that business doing the animation. So we don't know those details yet. It's possible that, you know, that was a huge impact on that particular production. I am um, hope I'm wrong. I, I really do because I would I can't wait to watch the show. I think it's going to be some of the the most Star Trek Star Trek uh, we've ever seen. And I'm here yep. for it. Yep, Star Trek Star Trek. The what the what? Yeah, the what the yep. what? Excellent, excellent. What else we got there, buddy? So that was it for what we uh, in terms of imagery from any of the shows. But there was uh, the last piece of big news from First Contact Day was uh, pretty exciting news for any convention goers. So Star Trek Mission Chicago in April 2022 is kicking off a an annual traveling convention, the official uh, convention for Star Trek. It's being sponsored by ReadPop, no, uh, no Strangers to Conventions, and Viacom CBS. So this is certainly kind of the official thing to go to. And the the first such conventions happening in Chicago, and then it's going to go from city to city every year after that. So that was certainly um, surprising, and I I personally welcomed the news of it moving from city to city. It'd be a great opportunity to to travel around to different places that I might not otherwise go. Uh, but in any case, uh, for what we know of the three day mission Chicago, it's going to have 
everything that we've come to expect of these grandiose Star Trek conventions. You have the guests, vendors, exhibits, all the cosplay, which I'm sure people are excited to do that again after not being able to do it really last year. Yeah. And um, yes, that's happening from April 8th to the 10th uh, next year. It's uh, it's kind of amazing. I'm glad that they're they're centering this around first contact day. Um, because you know, they said that really was the impetus behind it. I'm slightly annoyed that they saved this for a really quick announcement at the end of first contact day, because this is huge news. Um, you know, creation, obviously, you know, their license to do officially, you know, sanctioned Star Trek conventions ended at the end of 2020. And now there's this big new thing. I mean, for, for those who are unfamiliar with the McCormick place convention center in Chicago, um, it is a convention center that is the largest in the lower 48 states. I did not know that. It has a footprint that is larger than Soldier Field in Chicago. That's an NFL stadium where the Chicago Bears play. And that holds 75,000 people. So uh, granted, we're not going to fill up that whole thing. We're going to take a portion of it. But clearly, they're they're looking for venues that are going to allow people to attend. The one thing that I know, Dan, is that this is going to drive prices up. Mm. Read pop conventions are more expensive. Hotels in Chicago compared to Las Vegas are more expensive and people are really going to have to plan on their budget. I think that's absolutely right. Now, one thing I will say, and I think that the pandemic has something to do with this as well as, of course, the contract ending. I think that this is going to be the last convention in Vegas for Star Trek related things this coming year. I really think this announcement, plus the fact that it's no longer affiliated officially with Star Trek, I don't think the creation uh, convention is going to um, survive after this year. I don't think the numbers are going to be great this year, even though it's it's being planned on being held and we're planning on going there. Now, I will say I don't want to I don't want to be too negative here. We've seen creation gouge us through the roof over the years. I mean, for God's sake, why do I have to pay $7 to print my own freaking ticket on my own printer after I purchase it? So yeah. we've seen it and we've seen prices go up and we know that people who are involved in Star Trek don't like some of the things that creation does. I know that Repop has a fantastic reputation for the conventions they put on, especially for Star Wars. So I think it's great that this union between the two companies has finally happened. But like you said, Bill, and Kyle, I'd like to get your opinion. Chicago's Chicago's expensive. We know that the Reed Pop conventions are expensive. And with all the things that they're planning, there's going to be a lot of quat loose coming out of your wallet for this convention. What did you just call money? Quat loose, buddy. Come on. Gamesters yeah. of Triskelion. Come on, stay with me. Oh my yeah. god. Okay. <laughs> Come on, super like, fan. Is that Spanish? Or like what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so, Welsh. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one to think that, but I think 2022 will be the first full year where the pandemic won't be such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. I think people, it'll just going to be the roaring 20s and they're going to want to go out and do things. And I think uh, Reed Pop and Viacom CBS are banking on Star Trek fans everywhere wanting to spend whatever they have to to go to one of these conventions again. And uh, they're going to make a ton of money for sure. And it's going to cost folks, you know, for hotels and parking and and the convention itself. But I think that that's going to feel perhaps a little more special than than your typical convention that we used uh, to get used to in the before times. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think you're probably right about that, honestly. I think one of the things that's really interesting about this, and I think it'll be great for people like you and I, Bill, who are on the uh, on the far east coast, is that's going to go to different cities. It'll be great. You know, Chicago's half the distance to, to Vegas, so that's that's kind of great. Wouldn't it be great if one year it's in Boston, oh, my God, or, or in Orlando? Uh, you know, there's going to be the opportunity for people that haven't been able to go to these conventions because of distance and traveling that might be able to in the future, depending on where they hold it, whether it be in Texas or California or Colorado, Denver would be great. Or Portland, All the Maine. different possibilities. Portland, Maine, Hudson, New Hampshire, for God's sake, <laughs> I would even go to. But um, I think it's interesting that they're doing it. Um, and it'll be it'll be pretty cool to see where they decide to go year after year. I, I agree with that. Um, the only one I'm not looking forward to is New York. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, quite honestly. So here's a here's a tip for those of you planning on going to Mission Chicago in April of 2022, and you're flying into the city. From us here in New Hampshire, it's a two-hour flight to Chicago Midway. There are two airports in Chicago. If you're going to fly into one of them, fly into Midway. It's 20 minutes away from the convention, whereas O'Hare is over an hour away. So uh, there's your first convention tip for Mission Chicago, straight from the Trek Geeks podcast, Kyle. Could you please plan my itinerary and just book, <laughs> and just book the tickets for me, please? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to fly into Midway, you may as well fly on Southwest if you're able to. Yep. That's going to be a cheaper fare right there. <laughs> if you're flying from a major city, you can probably get a business shuttle into Midway. So you're going to lower some costs there. The hotels in the area are going to be about 200 to 250 a night. Of course, we don't know if there's a convention rate yet. So, um, you know, the budget is going to be key for this convention for a lot of people and it's going to price some people out. So I think that Dan creation doing a Vegas con may continue for some time. Um, it may not be five days anymore, but I think it's going to be the more affordable cost approachable and cost effective con for a lot of fans. I hope you're right. I I'm, I'm not sure if that will be the case, but, but, you know, we've enjoyed it and Vegas, oh my God, you can do anything in Vegas, you know, the, the cons there. And of course you got everything else going on. I just, I'm, I'm concerned that with the pandemic and with it not being an official mm-hmm. Star Trek convention that the, even though it's going to be the end, hopefully fingers crossed the pandemic, the end of the pandemic and things will be opening up again. I just don't know if we're going to get the flood of people going there, even though people want to get out and do stuff. I think it still might be a little too soon, and that's going to drive the numbers down. I think as long as they can get the guests, people will show up. 104 They're, right now, I think. hundred uh, Yeah, at least 104. Wow. There may be more. That's on par with what they've done as right? an officially licensed Star mm-hmm. Trek convention. So as long as they can maintain that with a little bit of a Delta either way, I think they're going to be okay because I think people will come. Then we're going to have to go to like a bunch of every year. That's going to be draining. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't complain. Plus the, uh, the legacy of the Vegas convention is not going to die anytime soon. And yeah. so I think no matter what, no matter which convention holds the official sponsorship of, of, of Viacom CBS, Vegas is still going to be popular for, I think a, a few years to come. And and what I what I would like to say is is don't get me wrong it's not draining that we'll be going to Star Trek conventions it'll be draining that'll be traveling with Bill so much that's what I want to make clear just want to make sure everybody understands that you can make separate travel reservations anytime <laughs> you want to Princess just throw them in the overhead compartment there you I'm go. too big I'm too big uh, I'd have to be put in the in the cargo bay I have to I have to be checked luggage um, so so Kyle based on that I mean obviously. Chicago is a much quicker flight from Maine than Vegas is. Are you thinking about Mission Chicago? I am totally thinking about Mission Chicago. I think it's going to be my daughter's first convention. And oh, this is so cool. <laughs> I, How old I are you going to be by then? 
She's four months now, and so I don't know what that is. <laughs> a year and four months. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I, I, I like a road trip, so I wouldn't discount just driving there. Oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, hop in the car with my brother and and my wife nice. and my my kid, and we'll see. Um, yes, yeah, so but no, it's and it'll be really interesting to see what other cities they choose to go to. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some excitement in waiting to learn about where that is. Cause yeah. personally I like traveling. So I'm, I'm all for yeah. seeing where they go. I'm Dan, thinking, what about, Dan, what about you? I, I are we going to commit as Trek geeks to go into mission Chicago? Yes. Uh, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to mission Chicago. Definitely. Um, we'll do everything. Um, I think it'll be interesting. And, and like Kyle just said, I think it'll be cool. We, we kind of know that we're probably going to see maybe at some point a Dallas or a Houston, maybe mm-hmm. in Orlando. They've got some great convention centers down Seattle. there. Seattle would be great. I said, Denver, um, would be great. Um, somewhere maybe in the mid Atlantic, somewhere, uh, somewhere in their Carolinas or Virginia area might be Baltimore might Baltimore be a good be one. Um, I just think that it really opens up so many possibilities. Now everybody, you know, people from all over the world fly into Vegas for the convention. I think this has the opportunity to even let more people worldwide come in. Um, especially though, I think it's going to help people in certain areas of the country who maybe can't. I was talking to somebody today who's in New Orleans and they could never get to Vegas. It's just not something they can do, but they were actually more open to possibly going to Chicago. Yep. Mission New Orleans. Yeah, that'd, that'd be awesome. Oh my God, party time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as, as the year goes on, uh, we'll be talking more about preparing for Mission Chicago because it's a lot different from S- the former STLV mm-hmm. um, in addition to going to the former STLV. Um, but I imagine that there will be a lot of focus on that because it's going to be new for a lot of people. It's going to be new for me. I've never been to Chicago. Um, I'm not a big fan of tall buildings, uh, mm-hmm. which many listeners of Trek Geeks know um, that particular venue has a gigantic atrium which is roughly five or six stories high um so that that causes me you know a little bit of angst but um the best part is is we're going to be surrounded by trek family we're going to be surrounded by people excited to be there because of star trek and read pop those guys are total pros those guys know what they're doing in running a convention i think that licensed star trek conventions are in incredibly good hands for a while Agree. Yep. Well, anything else from first contact day that you, uh, you schmoes wanted to bring up? Yeah, I did want to bring up one thing. I got to yeah. say, I was disappointed about no teaser uh, trailer for prodigy. I was also disappointed that there was nothing about strange new worlds. True. True. That was a very yeah. big surprise for me. And, you know, I mean, strange new worlds happened because of the fan appreciation for what Anson and Rebecca, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, Mr. Peck did, um, to not have anything. And we've seen the commercials for Paramount plus have the characters in it. I was yeah. really shocked that we had nothing about it. Uh, for like a, first contact yeah, day, Kyle. like a set photo or, or like, yeah. like something like, yeah, you're right. Um, and that's something I noted as well. And and that's why in the beginning I said, Oh, I think we're going to get, you know, a teaser for every show. And ultimately it was because of prodigy and because there was nothing from uh, strange new worlds, but you know, we can be patient. There's, there's a lot more to look forward to and we'll let, uh, the folks for a strange new world just keep plugging away. And when they're ready to show us what's going on, we'll, we'll happily uh, pay attention. Won't we? I think the missed opportunity from first contact day was to make it its own little virtual convention. 
Um, they did some of that with the panels, but I mean, this is an anniversary year for so many things in the Star Trek universe, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, they talked about Star Trek first contact ad nauseum, but it's the 20th anniversary of enterprise. We didn't really get to celebrate Voyager's 25th last year, um, at cons and stuff like that. So I feel like they could have tied in more anniversaries and more specific content because they are going to make this a convention event going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think that the onus is on us as fans now to not forget about that stuff, to talk about it more as we are in Trek geeks this year with enterprise 20 and Voyager 26, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've said it before and I'll say it again, especially after what we saw with first contact day, there has never been a better time in the history of this franchise to be a fan than right now. We have all of these shows in production. We have new shows coming out. We have announcements that are still on the way of, of unannounced shows. It doesn't get any better than what we have had over the past year with 23 straight weeks of new Star Trek. We got new shows, new seasons, it's unbelievable. And I, it's just, it gives me goosebumps to know that we've got so much more going uh, for such an extended amount of time. Yep. Kyle, once again, you kept the wheels on this finely tuned machine. You did, did a I? great job. Big you did. Keep on turning. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we're still here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Dan's still here, but who cares about that? <laughs> um, Thank you for for your time and for coming in to chat with us about First Contact Day. Obviously, you're a you're a big contributor to TrekNews.net, a site which we love and and reference all the time. And the news from TrekNews.net, um, Kyle. How can folks follow you online uh, to get more of your crack Star Trek reporting? <laughs> well, always visit TrekNews.net, uh, and and you know we're pretty. We're pretty active all the time, so uh, certainly pay attention to the website and our social media accounts. You can follow me uh, at khattie93. That's uh, at khkylehattie, Hadiniac 93, because I'm super creative. And <laughs> uh, I I'm known to ruminate at times on various Star Trek things, and uh, so feel free to head over there. And pleasure talking with you guys tonight. Always nice to talk about Star Trek and um, what was a surprisingly active first contact day. So mm -hmm. I'm happy that we had so much stuff that we can look forward to now. All, all the best to you and the family, man. You guys take care and stay safe. And uh, no one cares what Dan says. I was going to say, it's funny. I, when you, I thought you said crap. And I was like, wouldn't you just say awesome? Because people are going to misunderstand what you said. But that's okay. Because I know that Kyle does an awesome job. And I would have said awesome. I said, Kyle, you're awesome. Uh, you I said crack. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's an old school reporting term. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not perhaps. a... <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that because you just put me in my place. You, you can barely <laughs> speak English. Who cares what you think? No one gives a <laughs> Kyle, good to see you. <laughs> yeah, you too, guys. I should have left like five minutes ago, but that's okay. Yeah, Dan, too. <laughs> Well, Dan, one of the other great developments, aside from First Contact Day, is the fact that Five Year Mission has a brand new episode of Five Year Mission, the podcast out. You know, if you haven't checked out Five Year Mission, the podcast yet, I, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify or your favorite podcast app. Get their podcast in your ear holes because you're going to love it. I mean, 
This this week, it's another version of uh, what are little songs made of. They're going to talk about a taste of Armageddon, the song and the episode, mm-hmm. which is always a great, great topic. Um, but after you do that, head on out to fiveyearmission.net, get all their albums, you know, uh, listen to them, get, get those CDs sent straight to your door. You're going to become a huge fan of the band. And then you're going to want them to headline Star Trek Mission Chicago. So, <laughs> because you're going to love them so much. So I'm just Absolutely. giving you the spoiler alert right now. So fiveyearmission.net, get those albums in your ha- hands and support the band. So let me ask you this in this week's episode, cause I haven't had a chance to listen to it. Is Rittenhouse yeah. in this week's episode? Uh, of course. That's too bad. Anyway, let's <laughs> 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 just get Mike. Um, you know, it's awesome. And, and you, you're absolutely right. They got to be the band at, at, uh, at the Chicago convention. So let's hope for that one. But you know, Bill, we talked about it all episode long. We look forward to this day every year. It's a day that our futures will change forever. That day that the strange looking alien comes to earth and shows us what real music sounds like. Those drums, those glasses, those tattoos, April 5th, 2063, forever known as First Confark Day. What is wrong with you? Well, were you damaged? <laughs> I didn't want to go with Fark Contact Day because that would have been too easy. So I had to mix it up a little bit. So, yeah. Yes, you're damaged is what I'm getting. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm neither uh, denying or saying yes. First Confark Day. That doesn't even roll off the tongue. It doesn't. It's not supposed to. You sound like you're hiccuping in the middle. First Confark Day. Yes, it does, actually. And, and I'm sticking with it. That uh, that's your worst Farkism yet. And I would have to probably agree with you on that. I will not lie. <laughs> I would if you could go back to starting to try. Um, that would be ideal. Um, well, because even when you think you're trying, it's better than this. I I gotta say it was this one was not easy. I wanted to do something for first contact day, and that's the best I could come up with. I apologize. This is one I'm not proud of. I will say so. I will say I mean, all the other ones I'm extremely proud of. I will say you could have said that this day commemorates the day that Zephram Cochran, you know, made his his test of his warp ship, the Farknix. That's stupid. You're stupid. Keep, it's better than keep, first Confark Day. Yeah, you, well, you also don't like pistachio coffee, so just keep reading the copy. You just shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> That's fiveyearmission.net. Let's get all the albums in your hands, folks. Come on. Don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get a whole bunch of exclusive perks that, Dan, you've been working pretty hard on. I have been working hard. We're going to have some new perks, hopefully very soon to announce. We're going to have some new tiers, and uh, uh, tiers as in levels, not tiers because everyone's sad. Of yeah, because stuff. I hear your voice. It, exactly. It's going to be good stuff. You're going to love it. We have some local vendors we're working with, and of course, our dear friends at Fansets. We're going to be having that exclusive patreon pin that we have had for the last couple of years so look forward to some announcements hopefully in the very near future right now though we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for trek geeks we are so grateful for their support and they are vikram bot luke burnham brad demag william edward m jr patrick escadero brandon everidge andy fark kimberly francis jonathan hamilton ryan jeffs john krikorian sean lynn jamie mcgregor aaron mullenkoff casey pettit Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike. I love that name. Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. 
Oh, get in the chopper. Yeah. We also, down. <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Leonel Marchand, Rick Mason, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, of course, you know, the senior producer of Trek Geeks is the always effervescent Jude Tatman. Jude Tatman is awesome. Just going to say that right now. Amazingly so. Senior producer of Trek Geeks. Only person to have that title. It's pretty cool. I like it. Uh, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks podcast network, and it is so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash Trek Geeks for all the details. Dan, next week we return to our regularly scheduled programming as we continue our year-long celebration of Enterprise 20. Yeah, that's right, Bill. First Contact Day kind of put off this discussion by a week, but fear not, Archer fans. Next week, we will deep dive into the one and only captain of the good old NX-01, Jonathan Archer, right here on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. Absolutely, we will. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great discussion, even though you're there. Uh, For more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts on the network. Of course, in addition to Discovering Trek and Rewind, Polytrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, and The Divine Treasury, we're proud to bring you the Sci-Fi Sisters as the latest addition to the Trek Geeks podcast network. They're amazing. We hope you'll check out their podcast dropping fortnightly on Fridays. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek too, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 255 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut 2063. Coconut will be the official flavored coffee of the United Federation Plants. No. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong, Dan. Bing bong, Bill. Bing bong. Bong to the bing. No. No, I don't like that phrase. There's a commercial on the radio where they spell out a URL to go to if you want to get something, and they actually say the first word and then to the, and then spell out the last letters, and I want to punch my radio every time I hear it. I want to punch you every time you do it. (laughs) That's well, I was going to say, so now I know why you don't like that I say that. I haven't said it in a while, so I'm sorry. I fell off the wagon. It's it's still stuck in the 90s, though, and and I'm done with it. Um, The 90s, which, by the way, um, were about 30 years ago. Yeah. Thanks. We are old men. We really are. We're like Walter Matthau and grumpy old men.
And uh, Burgess Meredith, who was even older than Walter Matthau at the time. It was, it was a fun movie. You're like Walter Matthau and Grumpy <laughs> Man. I am cheerful and filled with mirth and joy. I think Walter Matthau is, is beautiful in that movie, and I admire everything he does. Yes, even when he puts a dead fish in his friend's car to make it stink. I would do that to you in a heartbeat. I, I know you would. That's why I said it. <laughs> so, uh, But I would do it with a smile on my face. I know you would because you'd be like, oh, I'm getting damn blah, blah, blah. So are you enjoying your week <laughs> off there, buddy? I Excuse me. One. Let's, let's, let's revisit this. I would never go blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you can't. Possibly. I'd be like, F him. His <laughs> truck's going to smell like fish. Well, that's that's my version of you saying blah, blah. See, to me, you sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. So that's and the then, blah, blah, blah. I would not just put the fish in your car. There I mean, I would put it up in one of the seats <laughs> so that you had to really hunt for it. See, I wouldn't do it that. I wouldn't be that simple when I did it. Instead of putting the fish in your car, I would put it through a blender so it was liquefied and then pour it on the carpet or any cloth-like material that you have in your car so it would soak in so it's not something as simple as just removing the dead fish. It's so cute that you think you can do things that aren't simple. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The Bassomatic 76. Remember that on Saturday? No, I, I do. I do. Yeah, that was gross. Uh, you're gross. Your face is gross. That's some terrific bass. <laughs> oh, I just want to yak just thinking about that. <laughs> I love a nice bass ale. That's about it. Oh, goodness. I'm not even a fan of that. So oh, I know. love it. That used to be my go-to uh, beer type beverage of choice. Yeah, just just not a beer person. Yeah, oh well. Also, I'm I'm going martini crazy. I got a whole new I got a new summer recipe that I'm gonna have to try out. So yeah, watermelon martini. Gonna try it out. See how that is. Interesting. Are you afraid it might be too sweet? I think it might be because it's watermelon flavored um, vodka mm. with watermelon juice, simple syrup, and lemon or lime juice. I can't remember. So it might be sweet, but I'll, I'm always willing to try it at least once. You'll do anything at least once. I, yeah, that's true. And two, two or a hundred times if people are giving you money. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I'm still grapefruit's still my one, and pears is uh, something I'm enjoying very much right now. I'm going to do pear down in Disney uh, in a few weeks because it doesn't doesn't require five ingredients like the grapefruit one does. So, I'm not a big fan of grapefruit. I'm not either, but grapefruit martinis are joyous. I mean, I, I, every Christmas morning, my my parents would get grapefruits and have them, and you know, use the grapefruit sectioner on them and sprinkle with sugar, and then put a cherry in the middle. But no, that was really is it wasn't my thing. No, I don't eat grapefruit, but I do have grapefruit juice in my martini, and it's it's quite refreshing and makes me smile. See, actually, I'm not drinking it right now. I just wanted to smile for you. If I'm gonna have something with grapefruit juice, there's gonna be gin in it, and that's really about it. Gin and juice. <laughs> All right, don't do that either. <laughs> wow, you don't want me to do anything. You look like the biggest dork. <laughs> I am the biggest dork. That goes without saying. Well, you own it now, which is really all I can. Can I get like a for. plaque? The biggest plaque. dork plaque? The biggest dork plaque, and I'll put it on the wall like the uh, Defiant You have plaque. one. It's on the wall behind you right now. <laughs> <laughs> if, for, if people can't see you, it's the Trek Geeks logo. On his wall. <laughs> that's funny. And there's yes. anything that screams big dork, that's big it. Big dork. A big dork. And I'm proud of it. My nerd that's like my Star Trek Enterprise nerd shirt. That's like one of my favorite shirts I've ever had. Which From you can get at the Star Trek Trek Geeks uh <laughs> store. No, 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 no. The Trek Geeks. The Trek shop. Geeks. I'm sorry. I just want to put Star Trek in there because it is like no, I'm gonna you, give them their due. You messed up. I did. You messed up. I did. 
Just be honest about it. The Trek Geek Shop on TeePublic at shop.trekgeeks.com. There you go. Any purchase you make on trekgeeks.com actually helps the show, whether it's our stuff or not, if you use our link. Absolutely. And they always have great big sales. So go get a lot of great big orders. Yep. 35% off and stuff. Wow. Yeah. It's it's at least a couple of times a month they run a huge sale. So Mm -hmm. there's the daily plug. Thanks for that. (laughs) You said it wonderfully. I, I usually do good. though. Yeah, you do. You see, you're you're, the, you're good with that. I'm not. I'm. It's it's talking, and you know how I am with that. So, I know how you're with breathing. That's a <laughs> sketchy it anyway. I, tell me about it. I work best wow. without copy. Um, yeah, but I, I you can, don't work best without coffee. That's 100 <laughs> percent true. Yeah. So yeah. I've already been to Starbucks today. Oh, good. That's good. So, so my wife ordered a bunch of of K cups, and we tried a sampler of. Coffees from Cafe Bustello. Mm-hmm. It is my new favorite coffee. Really? Oh, what flavors? My word. Well, they're a very they're a darker roast. Um, these aren't flavored coffees. Oh, okay. I don't like them. They're just very, very beautiful coffees. Uh, they're amazing. We've we've even ordered a can of their Brazilian blend, and we used the mm-hmm. uh, the my K cup yep. insert to uh, yep. to brew it that way. Just it's got hints of cocoa, but it's it's still a very rich dark coffee, and I just I love it. Cocoa, that chimps all right. High five. That was in the Seinfeld episode. Anyway, um, that's yeah, awesome. Okay, thanks. I, I am actually I'm glad to hear that. It's, speaking of coffee, um, we always do something. We always get coffee to bring down to Disney when we go. Um, they have not yet put K cups in the rooms, although they are going to. So Sue was out looking for coffee this morning and came over to me and goes, "I found a coffee." pistachio cream oh. oh i love pistachio pistachio ice cream i will eat Ugh. the whole freaking gallon right there with a spoon so i am very excited about this and i love pistachios too so. they may as well just label it poop oh my god wow that's harsh it's true no it's not true there's a lot of people out there that like it bill so there's a running joke between my wife and i when she puts together the coffee order in the starbucks or the duncan's app depending on where we go I, she knows what I typically get. And then she messes with me going, okay, so you'd like a large with extra ice with coconut, pistachio, and some other random and matcha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not what I want. Um, so it's, it's some invariably some flavor combo that's going to make me dry heave. See, my nephew, Matt would love something like that. Oh. He, he will. Oh my God. He is so funny. He will just get bottles of alcohol. And just pour them in a glass to see what it would be like. And he always loves them. And he's like, oh, it's here. Take a sip. Take a sip. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that is gross. It's <laughs> like Michael Scott in the office when he just starts combining things randomly. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> not everything goes together. Not everything. Nope. Not like Bill and Dan. Nope. <laughs> uh, oh, we don't even go together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof, anyway. so, so we don't often get serious in the outtake. No, we don't usually. We're gonna we're gonna get a little serious as we okay. talk about in the episode. Of course, we've talked about Star Trek Mission Chicago mm-hmm. for a good twenty four hour period. I thought it was the the end of my attending officially licensed Star Trek conventions. Correct. Um, simply just because cities are a problem for me. Yep. Um, but you know what? I've thought about it. I'm I, I'm not gonna let the specter of what generates my anxiety or the root of it control whether or not I go to what's going to be the biggest Star Trek convention of the year. So I'm going to mission Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's going to be hard work. 
I know it's not going to be easy, um, but I'm going. I think and that's awesome. I'm going to be there. I, I think that's fantastic. I haven't actually had the opportunity to talk to you about it because I did see your your tweets about uh, your concern and and everything, and and I'm glad to hear that you're going to do it because I got to tell you, you're going to have me by your side the whole time to help you out, which I've done in the past and I've been happy mm-hmm. to do so. And you're going to have all of your Star Trek family there to help you through it as well. So I um I know that you've made great strides in the past. I know that you've been home, you know, for the past year with the with the pandemic and everything like that. But I. I I have faith, man. I think it's going to be fine. We're going to help you through it. And you're going to do great. It's amazing the number of people who reached out mm-hmm. and said they'd be there to help. Yep. I mean, e- even people like the, the Trekkie girls over in the UK, mm-hmm. just out of the blue. Yep. You know, so I mean, it, it it reminds you a lot about what this fandom is about and how this fandom is wired. Right. And you know what? It, it may not be easy and that's fine. It's okay if it's not easy. Absolutely. And, and seeing the response, cause I did see some, a lot of the responses that you got. If anybody's ever, you know, down and angry about all the gatekeeper crap and BS and jerk wads on Twitter that bash stuff for no reason, go to Bill's Twitter feed and read his tweet about Chicago and then read all the responses of all the people that are willing to help. And it's going to be okay. And this, that, and the other thing. And that will reaffirm why this fandom is so great and so important to so many people. It's moments like that that reaffirm for me why I'm on social media. Yeah. Um, for those types of interactions. I mean, you and I have had plenty of horrible interactions in the last couple of years that have made us want to get off social media altogether. Yep. Because there were times where it just can be tedious, it can be draining. But you know, like stuff like that just renews your purpose. Um, it made me miss last year's STLV even more, mm-hmm. quite honestly. And I'm I'm looking forward to August and then I'm looking forward to next first contact there. Yeah, that's gonna be great because it's August and then April. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a quick turnaround in convention sense. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, man, we're gonna be right there with you and you will be fine and you will have an awesome time. And I mean it, and I will make you have an awesome time. You mean I'll have an awesome time despite the fact that you're there? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerk, you ready to do this? You got it, buddy. All right, let's go. <laughs>